Hello, you're very welcome to episode 102 of FNI Rap Chat. Um, so thanks so much for all the feedback uh, we got on last week's episode with Hugh Farley, um, director of the Writers Guild of Ireland. Um, it's a really good episode to listen to at this time if you haven't checked it out yet. Um, so just some really good advice for creatives in general and what we can do at this time and kind of how to prepare for the very uncertain future that uh, filmmakers and TV professionals are facing into. Um, so big thanks to Hugh for taking the time to do that. Um, hope everyone is managing okay still. Um, uh, if you want to check out Film Network Ireland social media pages for uh, the events that are coming up. So on Wednesday, um, doing something very cool. Uh, Declan Lowney, uh, hugely experienced director. Um, did an awful lot of uh, Father Ted. Um, he directed the uh, Alan Partridge movie, Al- Alpha Papa, um, Moon Boy. If you look at his IMDb, there's so much uh, experience there. A lot of ads and a lot of sitcoms. So myself and Paul are going to do a Q&A uh, live with Declan. And uh, the, it's free to join, but if you want to make a donation... Um, we are supporting Bumbalance with that, uh, so we'll have all the information for that. Uh, uh, so you can just text um, four euro uh, by texting Buzz to five zero three zero zero. So hopefully we'll uh, connect with people then on Wednesday and definitely check it out. Uh, today's guest is Joe Murta, who is the writer of Calm with Horses, um, which. You may have heard the episode with Nick Rowland, the director, a few weeks ago. Um, unfortunately, for the release of that movie, it came just uh, really on the weekend where things were locking down. Um, so I know some people got to see it in the cinema, but it didn't really get a, f- uh, a fair shake. So uh, it is released this week digitally. Um, so basically, all, you can find it online uh, on all the... The usual kind of places, um, uh, Volta, iTunes, Amazon, BFI Player, Rakuten, uh, you will get it there. And I'd really encourage you to seek it out and watch it. Um, got an absolutely brilliant uh, review from Mark Hermode. And uh, yeah, generally just really good reviews. Um, I really liked it. It's it's a, it's a film kind of full of mood and tone and really brilliant uh, performances. I think Cosmo Carvis is uh, Cosmo Jarvis is going to be a huge star. He just he absolutely nailed it. Um, so it was great to chat to Joe and get uh, his take on it and how he pro- approached um, adapting the, the short story by Colin Barrett that it was based on. And um, he's based in Spain, uh, so it was just great, great to talk to. Uh, a young writer who's really on the up. Um, he's working on some really exciting projects. So, yeah, uh, as usual, just keep in touch. Um, let us know how you're doing. And uh, let's go to this chat with Joe Merton. Hello, Joe.
Okay, Joe Berta joining us from Spain, is that right? That's right, Madrid. How are you getting on over there? Fine, we're in we're in lockdown like everywhere else. Um, yeah. So it seems to be uh, it seems to be sort of leveling out here by the look of things. And I know some restrictions are being lifted. You know, we can take uh, our kids out for walks from the twenty seventh. Um, so that's going to be good. Also, the Calm with Horses uh, digital release date. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice, nice segue there early on. Um, and yeah, it's it's been pretty. It's it seems it's been a lot stricter there. So, like you have have you not been able to leave at all? Oh no, yeah, you you can leave for um, you can, you know if you're going to the supermarket or the pharmacy, but that's that's about it really for for most people. Um, and they're pretty they're pretty strict with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, just coming to the writing side of things, it's I'm really interested in talking to uh, writers or creatives who are based in, say, other countries or countries where maybe not most of their work is done. How, how do you find that? Oh, great! Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very lucky to have the profession that I that I have because you can do it remotely anywhere you know especially you know now more so than ever with skype and zoom and all that you actually don't really need to be anywhere you can be wherever you want as long as you're you're getting the work in and you can have the kind of face-to-face time with with your producers and your directors through skype you know every now and then it's good to, to physically be in a place for meetings and and whatnot but if you're if you're just you know if you're a writer your main job is is writing and you, you can really do that anywhere and I guess maybe as well, if you're only in a in a place for a certain amount of time, um, maybe you make more of it when you're there. So if you have a flight booked to London, maybe you'll make more of an effort to meet people. Would that be true? Yeah, uh, especially especially with London. You know, I grew up in London, and, and it's uh, it's pretty notorious for um, for friends not actually meeting up all that often because they're just, you know, one lives in the north and one lives in the south yeah. and it's a two hour journey end to end and it's fucking, you know, it's uh, London can be a pretty difficult place to get around at mm. certain times. I've actually ended up, I see a lot of my friends more often, you know, more times per year now that I live in Spain than I did when we, when we both lived in London, um, which is ridiculous, but, but is, is true. Yeah. It's such a common thing. I hear at London, all right, it's just, yeah, it's kind of like, I guess it's like a big country, like if you live, you might as well live in, you know, another part of the country, or, you know, it's a, it doesn't seem to be that centralised, where, say, Dublin, it's, every time I come back to, uh, from London to Dublin, it feels like a village, everyone's only a cycle away. Yeah, yeah, Sim- similar thing in Madrid, it's a very easy city to get around. Cool. Yeah, I, I I love Madrid. Such a such a cool city. Um, so you have you grew up in London, but you have you have you would kind of identify as Irish, or you have Irish family. Yeah, yeah. Both both my parents are Irish. Both of them from Mayo in the West. Um, you know where where Calm with Horses is set set in a fictional town, but but in County Mayo. Um, yes, my whole family's from. And did you? visit a lot when you were younger yes yeah we you know we still have um still have a house over there and and uh all my cousins live out over there aunties and uncles and so 
yeah, that was that was the only country I had ever been to till I was about uh, eighteen years old, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Every every year would go there for you know a few weeks at a time. Oh. So I um, so I do I identify as Irish, but at the same time, I you know, it, it's I've I've never lived there properly. You know, I, all my family's from there, and we spent a lot of time there, but I've never I never properly lived there. So I'm sort of a, I'm in between the two countries, really, between England and Ireland kind of good for a writer though you, i guess you have that outsider and insider take it's kind of a mix of both yeah i think i think that that distance is actually um is great is exactly why i really identified with with something like calm with horses with colin barrett's um short story collection because it was all this all this great stuff i had recognized but but from a distance so i think i could maybe appreciate it potentially more so than if I had been living in that environment. Yeah. When did you realize that you wanted to be a writer or how, what was your kind of journey to becoming mm. a screenwriter? Well, I, I always wanted to write um, in some capacity. Um, since I was a kid, I wanted to write. Well, I thought I wanted to write novels all the way until I was about um, – so I was about 20, 21 years old. I thought I wanted to be a novelist, which, thank God, that, that didn't happen. Um, maybe <laughs> more, but only because because I, I was writing these short stories and they were they were awful, right. like, <laughs> and so God knows what the hell a novel would have looked like. Um, it wasn't until I, I was doing my undergrad and it included a year in Albuquerque, in New Mexico. Okay, I studied out there for a year, and it was out there that I you know I met some friends and. They were kind of into filmmaking and they wanted to make a short film and they didn't have a script. And so they, they knew I was kind of loosely into into writing in some form or another. So they asked me to to write a script, which I, I'd never done before. But I did that and it was it was awful. And we made <laughs> a film and that was, you know, even worse. But I just loved the entire process so much that I ended up just I just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it every single day. Then and after I graduated uni, I was I was doing it whenever I could in the, in the evenings and the weekends and when I was off work. Um, and then from there, just, just kind of fell in love with it and slowly built, a, not a quite a portfolio at that stage, but enough work to be able to send it to the national film and television school in England, in Beaconsfield. Um, and from there got accepted into their screenwriting masters. And then from there started really learning how to actually, how to actually write and how to actually build a proper portfolio, which then, led on to you know you know uh, agents and producers and connections and so a lot of um i had a lot of good fortune along the way really in terms of the, the people i've met people like nick Rowland, you know um who i met at film school and 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 dmc producers that i've met um but yeah mostly it's just been just writing every single day and just falling in love with it and and learning how to get a little bit a little bit less shit, I think, is the most honest way of, of, of putting it. <laughs> and so you said, like, um, you went off to Albuquerque, but that was, had not, like, you, you hadn't really thought about filmmaking before that experience. No, no, not at all. It was just this completely closed off magical world that I couldn't dream of setting a foot in at that point, right. you know. It, yeah. I mean, it, almost, it, it still seems like that, even though I have made a film now which i think is a good thing i think that's the that's kind of the beauty of it but <clears throat> i think i think being a writer more so than any other discipline involved in film 
I think is the very much relatively speaking easiest way to get into film because the thing with writing is you can you don't need anyone's permission to do it you know you can you can sit on you could you could go home tonight and write an oscar winning worthy screenplay in your bedroom no one's going to stop you from doing the only thing stopping you from doing that is is you know time and talent and you know they're fairly big things but at least they're within your control whereas if you're say a director you're only going to get hired based on your last piece of work and it's like it's it's kind of a, a a bit of a vicious cycle in that you need to be fighting to get experience and fighting to get people to trust you whereas as a writer all you need to do is write something good and show it to someone and you're kind of you're off really so you know i think i think um film is is it is a hard world to get into but at the same time if you want to be a writer that's that's where you definitely stand the best chance of getting in yeah and what kind of stories are you most attracted or, or what are the kind of stories that you want to tell? It's, it's hard to say, really, if, the, if there's one particular... I don't think there is one particular type of story that, that interests me. It, to me, it's more of a, a tonal thing. Yeah. If I can see a story and find my personal way into it, if I can see myself... Not see myself, but see my see my my voice as a writer in it. Then that's that's what attracted me. You know, in the case of Calm with Horses, it was Colin Barrett's writing that just yeah. absolutely leapt out of me. It was something I could I, I recognised the way that these people talked and and even the way that he just describes the scenery or the location it's in. You know, in, in the writing the script, I, I try to put as much of that transfer as much of that into dialogue as possible, just because I wanted people to actually hear people who hadn't read the book to actually hear, you know, what's on the page. Um, with other things, I suppose, you know, when I look at the, the other projects I'm involved in, they're all very, very different stories, all set at different time periods and, and, and genres and all that sort of thing. But I suppose there is a kind of consistent thing that I love amongst them all. And it's, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it is a sort of, I suppose, an energy of some kind that I'm drawn to. You know, I, I, I really, I love the work of the Coen brothers, when you look at their film, if you, if you were looking at it purely in terms of like a type of story or a genre, you you could never pin them down. They're, they're all over the place. But when you watch a Coen Brothers film, you know you're watching a Coen Brothers film. You know you, they've got that that one thing about their filmmaking that that is consistent in everything they do. It's that kind of rhythm or, or humor, I guess, the yeah. best way to describe. It. And that that's something I really aspire to as a writer. If I can if I can find that in everything I work in, then then I'm happy to to work on any kind of story that might come my way. You know? um, one of the things that comes up on the podcast a good bit is kind of film school or not film school. Um, it's not for everyone, but for some people, it's uh, they learn a lot or they, a lot for a lot of people, it seems to be that they, that's where they make the relationships that kind of form their career. And you seem to have gotten that with, with Nick. Yes. Yeah, I mean, in, in my in my experience, you know, film school was extremely benef- beneficial to me, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be on the journey I'm on without it. Yeah. Having said that, I wouldn't argue at all that it's necessary. Especially again, I can only re- really speak as being a writer, but I wouldn't argue that it's necessary at all if you want to be a screenwriter. You know, uh, the thing that film school gave me was first and foremost um the 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 kick up the arse i needed to write every single day and to actually build a portfolio um 
there was also of course these great connections are made like you know working with someone like nick um you're you're introduced to industry people quite regularly when in film school the other cool thing is you know they actually make films at film school and i think it's really important for as a writer to see your work go through the the production process uh you know even in the case of a short film especially someone like the nfts because it's, it's basically run like a little microcosm of the industry so when they make a short film they follow all the same procedures that you'd go through as a, a you know if you're working on a feature film so i think that's why when, when people come out of the nfts in particular they're very ready to work in the industry um but as a writer yeah just having that opportunity to be around a bunch of people who are all very excited about this you know this incredibly ridiculous industry that we all love so much um and writing as much as you can there are ways to recreate that outside of the film school environment of course it was very beneficial to me but you know not everyone can afford film school i i wouldn't let that i wouldn't want that to deter uh anyone who wanted to go out and write you know because like i say it's something you can do in your in your bedroom while you're living at your parents house still you just kind of need that that kick up the arse and and uh as a bonus if you can have that little community of like-minded uh filmmakers around you then 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 all the better yeah um you you kind of mentioned that you know the different like writer you can just write a script you don't need permission a little bit different to novel writing there's even you know or kind of fiction you really don't need any permission because you don't need anyone else really but um writers need directors and there's kind of a a codependent relationship there how, how do you approach working with directors so i i absolutely love um working with directors and it's, it's not something that you'll hear a lot of writers say or, or maybe maybe just because <laughs> i'm not experienced enough um but i've been very lucky so far with my with my relationships um the reason i love working uh with directors is because when I'm when I'm writing, it's it's kind of all about the page. Like, yes, there is a movie at the end of all this, but you know, like like Kubrick always says, you know, uh, scripts aren't meant to be read; they're meant to be made. Sometimes I'm, I'm I'm paraphrasing a tad, and you know, who the hell am I disagree with Kubrick? But the the truth is, especially if you're you know a, a relatively inexperienced writer like me, your script is going to get read. It's going to get read a hell of a lot by a lot of people. And the truth is, it's not going to be made unless it's extremely readable. Like, yes, it needs to be a sort of blueprint for a film, but at the same time, you can have a lot of fun. You can, you, there's a lot of artistry you can work with when you're writing a script. And so when I'm writing it, it's all about the page and making that as fun as possible. What I love doing then is giving that to a director and sort of standing back that's the simplification of the process, but I sort of love it. It's almost like a process of adaptation in a way you give your script to the director and then they take it. And I love seeing what they do with this. They do a bunch of things that I could never have imagined or, or, or in some cases are the complete opposite of what I had envisioned when I was writing it, but in a great way, in a way that, you know, because I'm not a director and they, they actually have a much better sense of character or, or the way that they're going to stage a scene. And, you know, that they, they might end up cutting out, a bunch of stuff that in truth wasn't needed um of course that can also obviously have a there is a bad side to all that you know when when the writer is is completely disregarded and the director will come in and change whatever they want willy-nilly without really thinking about what the writer has done in the first place but if you can get that mutual respect in there which you know i think me and nick definitely have um i think it can lead to something great you know i'm incredibly proud of of calm with horses and what it's become and if you read the book 
and then the screen, screenplay you see there's a lot of changes in, the, in from the the screenplay to from the the book then when yeah. you watch, you read the watch the film after that you'll see there's a bunch more changes from the film from the screenplay it's, it's this this kind of constant process of, of adaptation of course yeah uh, um and i guess it was great practice in terms of in the lead up you know you, you kind of developed your working relationship through shorts um and i talked to nick as i really loved the shorts that you guys made together mm. um particularly group b i, I just think they're they're a really good example of, um, you know, very clever filmmaking. And I was really pleased to hear, you know, that they're not huge budgets at all. Uh, how did you, how was that experience? What did you learn from the shorts, you know, go, go, like mm-hmm. getting the, the run and all that? And how can kind of other screenwriters kind of capitalize on the short form? Yeah. Um, shorts were... Well, aside from, you know, like I mentioned, just writing every day and building up a portfolio, the shorts were, were the next big thing that, that was had the biggest impact on me as a writer. Um, seeing your work go from, from an idea to a script to a completely finished thing, I think is an incredibly important lesson for any screenwriter to do. Um, I think you only get better with each short you write and then any feature you write because you know how things are made. You, you're going to, especially with short filmmaking or where the budget is particularly low, you get a sense of what is possible and what's not. I think it's always good to, to shoot for the moon to a certain degree, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's always good to have a sense of, okay, what is actually possible. And then that often leads to, um, to you being, you know, when you're working within kind of creative limitations, you, you, you I think you can often, uh, you can end up creating something that, that that's far better than, than if you, if you did have, you know, a million pound budget uh, for your short film, I think, I think when you have those creative limitations, you can, um, you might end up writing one, you know, you you can only have one location, say, where you, you know, ideally you'd love three and then you're forced to, to completely rethink this story. How's this look in one location? And then that forces you to get creative with this character or you add another character here or you do something completely different to the story you wouldn't have otherwise done. And you realize, oh, fuck, this is actually... A lot better than what I had originally. You know, I think it's it's like it keeps you on your toes. It's kind of like a gymnastic thing in terms of the writing of it. Also, just as I was saying, preparing you for for industry life. Um, I think working on short films, especially if like you know they're done through a film school where it's it's done in a, an incredibly professional environment. I think it's it's very important for a writer to go through that production process of what their role is. Um, at all stages of the production, you know, the, 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 your writing writing doesn't end once you've given in the final draft of the script. There might be voiceover or, or ADR to write, or you need to come back in for reshoots or whatever it is. Um, I think just pre- pre- preparing you as a professional, as a professional filmmaker to work in the industry, shorts are incredibly useful in that way as well. Yeah, um, and you talked about tone um, kind of at the start say how do you get that into your scripts i mean i suppose i suppose i don't really i mean i suppose i kind of i i start with the tone you know i i know i know what it is that i like i know what kind of dialogue i like what kind of characters i like to hear and to be honest it's, it's more about kind of finding that that voice my voice inside of um a story really uh 
a lot of the time, you know, my, my, my route into working on a new project is usually by wa- watching a bunch of other films, a bunch of other films as references that I think, you know, I just sort of, sort of stealing, I guess, stealing, stealing things that I, that I love about them. You know, they say, um, uh, originality is plagiarism in disguise. I, I love just consuming films as much as I can. And, and when it comes to working on a new project, just basically, okay, well, this this is the tone of that film. This is what people are expecting. What's my version of that? You know, what's my version of a of a heist movie, or what's my version of a of a, of an Xbox uh, crime thriller, or what you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah, yeah. It's about, I, I think I think the tone, my tone anyway, is something that I kind of already I know what that is. I know what I like, and it's just about a case of finding that within the context of another project. And with the camera horses, how did you approach it? So, you know, you have source material. Do you, at a certain point, do you leave that alone or do you keep, t- like, how, do you, how? what's the relationship with the source material for you? Yeah, they, they say that, um, that when it comes to an adaptation, I've heard people say before, like, uh, as a screenwriter, um, you, either, you either read the book once and leave it to one side and go your own way, or you you reread it incessantly and and completely minor. With Calm with Horses, mine was was absolutely the latter. I I reread and reread and reread that not just the that short story, but the entire Young Skins collection cover to cover. Right. I don't know how many times, you know, because there was so much detail and texture in there that to include in Calm with Horses. Um, I think there there were two really useful things about. Adapting Calm with well, let's say three. Three reasons using adapting Calm Horses. One was that the tone of Colin's writing was already very close to what I what I think I naturally go for myself when I write. Um, this, you know, there was this darkness to it, but this this constant humour throughout, this little wry, tongue in cheek humour he has, which I really responded well to. That was the first thing. Um, the other thing was when we met Colin uh, for the first time, just before I started writing, he said, "Go mad." with it he, he just gave he gave me complete license to do whatever the fuck i wanted with with the story wow that's amazing which is yeah and which i since learned is, is very rare they uh you know they say it's very i think i'm very lucky to find a writer like him but he wasn't precious at all he was very much of the mindset the book is the book and the film is the film um which was great because that was i mean my intention was always to retain that tone of his writing in in my writing and in terms of the plot, kind of make it slightly up for grabs. Because if you read the book, and I won't say, you know, I won't give any spoilers away, but if you read the book and then you watch the film, there is one particular change we made that is literally the complete opposite. And I still think it's a pretty faithful adaptation of the book, despite the fact that one plot point we completely turned, um, you know, 180. The third thing that really helped uh, in writing it is the fact that it was a novella, that it was shorter than, than a novel. So when I, you, you know, I, never done an adaptation before so the first thing i did was basically just put it into a three-act structure and that, uh, before then my mind didn't really it didn't necessarily work in that way when i approached the script i didn't think okay what's my act one two and three i kind of roughly thought beginning middle and end which i guess you could say is the same thing but in this case i was so nervous about adapting a, a novella for real you know that was gonna be a real movie I, I said okay what does it look like as a three-act structure and i and then i started seeing where where things went but also more importantly where the gaps were where it needed a bit of balancing out or where it needed things added to it because like i say it's, it's a novella so it's it's a bit shorter and 
that was really useful because then it allowed me to inject entire, entirely new scenes and in some cases new characters. But what's so great about Colin's writing is that even the stuff that I completely made up or that, you know, me and Nick and, and Dan Emerson, the producer, made up as a, as a trio, I still feel like it weirdly all belongs to Colin because it was so much coming from his world that even though we added these new people or amalgamated characters added new scenes, I really feel like it was it was truly inspired by by the world he had set out there, you know. So, so I I can't imagine, you know, if I do another adaptation, I can't imagine it being going as as smooth as Carmen Horses did. And was it uh, like just in terms of your drafts? Was it quite smooth in general, or was you know like any film? Was there a lot of redrafting? I mean, yeah, there was a lot of redrafting, but as you say, like any film, like any film, that's just the reality of of making films. You know, you you, you write a lot of drafts, and especially with um, with independent and, and low budget filmmaking, um, the closer you get to production, the more you start to encounter things like, okay, well, we haven't found a location like this exactly, but look over here, there's this other amazing place we've discovered, and you know, it's not a uh, it's not a bar but it's a fish farm. So how does this scene look now taking place in a fish farm rather than a bar? Um, Things like that. Or, or, you know, when you get to casting and, and, uh, you know, you, you find that you find that that can actually change bits of the story as well. Or, or you realize what, you know, when you realize what some of your actors are capable of, or when you actually start talking about names, you know, like Barry Keoghan, that, that really brought the character of Dimpner into focus for, for example, like you start, I, I never particularly like to write with an actor in mind, but in some cases it can it can be brilliant. You know, in some cases it can be extremely helpful because it can just suddenly elevate a character when you realise what this what this actor who you if you it, who you might be actually be able to get for the role. It can really excite you into a way that 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 change that actually makes changes in the script. Yeah, and were you on set or did you? Do, do you I, prefer to stay away? I uh, I wasn't, and I prefer to stay away. Okay. Uh, to be honest, I, I probably would have been on set, but um, I was just uh, getting married um, at the exact same time as they started shooting, so okay. no, none of them were at my wedding, which was a shame. But uh, oh. I was there just before they started shooting, so I was there for the like the rehearsals and the read through. Um, which was amazing to meet meet all the actors and sit there for the read through. That's something I'd encourage every writer to do. Just just hearing hearing proper actors reading your dialogue is um, is always amazing. It's just it's one of my favorite things in life. You know. Um, did you make any changes after the read through, or was that it? Um, not not based on the read through. No, okay. there might have been a couple. Yeah. You know, uh, tinkers. Um, from you know again like location things like little tweaks yeah, yeah, yeah. but no not not from the read through no okay. um but no that was so that was great but then being on set i was i was on set um i was on set for, on like the proper set then for a couple of days when i could but to be honest now as a writer you're just fucking hanging around yeah um, you're in everyone's way and if you're really unlucky like me you actually get roped into appearing in the film as an extra so oh, are you in it? I, I am, unfortunately. I'm in it in, in the back of the scene where they're in a pool hall. Um, do, do not look out for me. Is my, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the awkward bastard in the back. 
Um, so getting your first feature is a huge milestone for yeah. any writer, any screenwriters. That's the big one. Yeah. How do you capitalize on that? Did you have projects kind of in at various stages? Does, do things change once you have your first one out in cinemas? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like, as you know, as a writer, you always uh, have, or you should have at least multiple things on the go. And, and, you know, everything's always at different stages of development. So, you know, with, with this coming out, I, I, or I've already got a couple of projects that are, you know, a, a couple of years into, into development. Um, so there's always, you know, there's always stuff to, to, to capitalize on should your, should your film do well. Um, with Calm With Horses, yeah, there's, there's been an amazing um, reaction to it so far. I, I'm very, you know, I, maybe it's just the the Irish thing, but but just naturally wary of any <laughs> praise coming in our direction. So I'm uh, hopefully it keeps going the way it does. But we've had an amazing response to it so far. So I imagine that could only have uh, a positive effect on things for me. I prefer to kind of I prefer just to, to be in my office just writing away, Paul. To be honest, um, yeah. and kind of let my my agent, my producers, just deal with that that whole side of things. Um, if, if people want to, you know, take my stuff a bit more seriously, read my work a bit more, pay me more money then that's, that's absolutely fine by me. But the main thing with me is I just, I just love writing my stupid stories in my little office here in Madrid. <laughs> um, agents aren't with their, we don't really have them in Ireland, but if anyone has an agent, they're generally in London. Um, what, advice would you have for writers in terms of maybe trying to get an agent or approaching or or managing uh that that kind of relationship but my first bit of advice is um is to just actually have good writing and that sounds so simple and i know that like you know if there's any like writers listeners who are looking for an agent a bunch of them are going to be nodding their heads and saying yeah yeah well i have that how do i get an agent yeah the truth is you you probably don't yet and it's not that's that sounds extremely negative but it's not really it's because i know the exact feeling and it's when i first started film school the first week i was there all my questions i was directing at my my tutors were about agents and about producers and how do i get one how do i get work and they just kind of said look slow down you need to fucking actually learn how to write first you know steve martin used to say get so good they can't ignore you i completely believe in that um especially as a writer you know, like i was saying before you you the only thing stopping you from from writing something amazing is is time and perseverance and talent you don't need any suspicion to do so so do that is my advice because to be honest you know agents produce the work is out there now way more so than ever especially if you know you're looking to work in tv there is so much stuff being produced there are so many people looking for good writing it also means that there's a hell of a lot of writing out there you need to cut through that. So what you need to do is you need to build up a really, really fucking good portfolio. And the only thing, the only way you can do that is by doing it. You know, it sounds so simple, but like I think as, as any writer will understand, we spend far too much of our time worrying about the business side of things. But it's like, if you can just get that amazing screenplay down, you'll be fine. <laughs> do you know, yeah. like, yeah. Then you can start thinking of once you have that, then you can start thinking about how to approach agents. And there's, you know, that I'm sure that there's ways of doing that that are simpler than others. But it, it, 
if you have good writing, if you can get it read, it will excite people, it will get made, or at least get you another job, or it will get you an agent. So just just focus on the right thing for now, would be my advice to everyone. Great. Um, what have you got in the pipeline, or what can you tell us at this stage? Yeah, so I'm working on another uh, couple of films um, with DMC, again, the company produced Calm With Horses. Um, I'm, I'm working on a film called Dreadful Ned, which is... My version of, um, basically, I, I really want to write something about the Irish War of Independence. Okay. But I really wanted to do it. I, I have a big love of, of genre, and particularly subgenres, And so I, I wanted to kind of challenge myself to say, well, what, what, would, what would a film about the Irish War of Independence look like as a spaghetti Western set okay. in the West of Ireland? You know, not, it, it's, not a, uh, it's not a historical drama with elements of a Western. It is, first and foremost, a spaghetti. You know, it's, it's essentially yeah. what Tarantino did with Django Unchained. It's a spaghetti Western set in the West of Ireland in 1920 that happens to be set against the backdrop of the War of Independence. So that's the next real um, project that I'm, that I'm diving into. Um, and then I'm writing a TV project called The Woman in the Wall, a company called uh, Motive in England. And similarly, that's actually uh, another kind of uh, a bit of a, a, a mashup of genre and history. That's about the Magdalene laundries in Ireland, but kind of through the lens of a murder mystery detective gothic horror mashup type thing. Hey, great. Um, so definitely, I, like Ireland features, it seems to be a, a strong theme throughout your work. It does. It does at the moment. It's sort of... Um, it sort of just happened that way at the moment. I'm in no ways, um, you know, I'm not planning on everything I write being set in Ireland, but it just so happened that those projects, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I guess I'm just really, really passionate about them. And I really want to see um, more Irish stuff made. That is, that has a slightly broader appeal. I mean, broad in a, in a, in a good sense, not in a, not in any way, shape or form a watered down sense. Uh, you know, I think, I think I think that you know America can do whatever the hell it likes with its own history. It can tell its own stories however it sees fit. I I haven't yet seen that done with the same amount of freedom uh, in Ireland with Irish stories, and so that's something I really aspire to. I, I think just just telling Irish stories, but with the same level uh, and scope of 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 cinema and bit, using big genre. Um, is something I really aspire to. Cool. Uh, well, best of luck with everything. Um, so the f- the film, I know you kind of got a little bit scuppered with the timing of the release. It's a real shame, but it's something I've been really championing on the show. And trying to get people to watch. Crisis happened at the same time. <laughs> yeah, like pretty much that weekend. But ah, people okay. can see it. It's getting its digital release. Yes, the 27th of April. Next week, um, yeah, it's going to just release in the UK and Ireland, and that will be yeah available online. Um, I need to double check where exactly. But I know it's uh, iTunes, Amazon, BFI Player, Curzon Player, and a bunch of other places. If you just Google it, I'm sure it will give you a proper list. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely be encouraging people to to seek it out. It's it's a fantastic piece of work. Um, congratulations! It's a real pleasure talking to you. So hopefully, uh, you. for your next project, we'll we'll chat to you then again. I hope so. Thanks, Paul.